Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Deadline's New Hollywood Podcast. My name is Dino Ray Ramos, and Happy New Year! <laughs> welcome to the first episode of 2020, and this week we have our first guest of the new decade, Aldous Hodge, who is the star of Clemency, opposite Alfred Woodard, a wonderful, gripping drama about prison reform the death row penalty Aldous was wonderful guest he is very he broke a lot of things down for us he unpacked a lot of things about his career and what he's been through and just kind of his journey is just so interesting so it was great hearing that most importantly we talk about his role as voodoo in Friday Night Lights as many of y'all may know I am from Texas Amanda's from Texas I am very obsessed with Friday Night Lights, so we spend a good portion of time talking about that. And we also talk about Clemency, which everyone should go watch when you get the chance. So without further ado, here is Mr. Aldous Hodge. Aldous, thank you again for joining us. For this podcast, you kind of like to start at the beginning of like people's journeys in the in the business. When you were born. When you were born. <laughs> <laughs> um, when so, once I was a child. <laughs> <laughs> but you, so you're child. from North Carolina? Or is that where you grew up? Or you I were was born? born in North Carolina. Okay, okay. Uh, both of my parents were Marines at the time. Oh, um, military family. My parents were. Yeah. My dad was in the Air Force. Oh, word up? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which base were you born? I, well, I wasn't born on a base. Surprise. Ah. Oh, no, I was actually. Duh. Yeah. <laughs> Lackland Air Force Base on, in, in San Antonio. Word up, word up. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. born in uh, Camp Lejeune. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. okay cool. yeah. So, did you guys move You guys moved around a lot? Yeah. Okay. Basically, right after I was born, we were shipped to uh, Kaneohe on Oahu in Hawaii. Oh, wow. So, therefore, about a year and a half, me and my brother caused a little trouble. But, uh, <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah, we, we, we were babies at the time, trying mm-hmm. to be crazy. We were living on the water at one point, and uh, we, for some reason, one morning picked up everything we could possibly carry mm. and threw it into the ocean. Wow. Wait, why? <laughs> like, why would you, you do that? You had to ask. I don't know. Right. Yeah, I blame. Like, what, how were you? I, like I, blame, I blame Ed. <laughs> um, That's like, my older brother, Edwin. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Actually, I think I've met your brother, actually. Oh, we're not? Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think a while ago. Um, okay. At a, at, a, at, a, like, one, like, at a deadline event. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, um, I think he came to like one of our parties one okay. time. Um, but anyways... Back to our regular schedule program. <laughs> um, but when did, <laughs> when did you uh, when did you first get bitten by the acting bug? Um, 
Well, my brother used to always say he wanted to be in the box, which was the TV. So he started first at three. Mm. And then I followed suit at two, trying to be like him and just trying to figure out how to get money to buy Batman toys. Mm. <laughs> nice. So I was two when, it, when I started. My brother and I, we came up uh, through the ranks, like Sesame Street for like two years. Mm. We did a Broadway play for two, two and a half years. You were on Sesame Street? Yeah. Oh, cool. Oh, wait, yeah. which which one did, who did you interact with? <laughs> <laughs> so there was a group of us, man. We oh. were all these little group of kids. This is back in, uh, I was probably like six, so you're talking early 90s. Mm -hmm. And uh, they just had like a set group of kids, a core group that they had for mm -hmm. whatever segment, whether it's counting or talking mm -hmm. ABCs or whatever, oh. you know, the New Year's episodes were always the biggest episodes mm -hmm. I remember that but yeah I mostly kicked it with like Big Bird and Elmo <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those are the homies um, those Bird. are like the two icons <laughs> yeah yeah right. you were in good company by, by the way shout to uh, uh, respect to Carol Spenny who just yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's yeah. a big one right there but uh, so we just kind of came up through the ranks uh, I remember we did Die Hard with a Vengeance, and I was playing mm. Sam Jackson's nephew at the time. Didn't know who he or Bruce Willis was because mm -hmm. I was eight. I was <laughs> yeah, yeah. to watch their films. Yeah. But uh, Sam told my mom, if your kids really want to learn the craft of acting, they got to get on stage. Mm. Oddly mm. enough, right after that film at Wrapped, we had a, a, an audition for Showboat, which was uh, my mom thought was just like a commercial. Mm -hmm. And when my brother booked it, she thought it was like the longest commercial contract ever because they were like, <laughs> yo, like, six months. Commercial was six months. Per commercial. Um, and then we realized it was a play, of course. So he did it for the first year. I came in after that, and we both finished out the rest of the year and a half of the tour on Broadway. Oh, wow. nice. Um So, yeah, he did the full two and a half. But uh, it, was a, it was great training. Yeah. Um, I say for me – it was my mom always made us earn it because mm -hmm. childhood having a childhood was priority having education was paramount and that took over so if we were not getting a's and b's in school we were not able to audition mm -hmm. or pursue mm -hmm. uh if we wanted to pursue acting we had to really earn it treat it like anything sports mm -hmm. or whatever mm -hmm. instruments mm -hmm. yo you're gonna do your best at this mm -hmm. you know <laughs> but she prioritized us having a childhood over everything and understanding where our mind was when it came to this but when I was 12 years old I was on a TV show we did the pilot and they tested the pilot and because myself along with two other cast members on that pilot tested higher in popularity than the lead on the show mm -hmm. they fired us instead of you know oh instead of giving you guys oh my god <laughs> yeah oh, like god. like how do you get can, can fired I, for doing your job too yeah. well <laughs> um, wait so, so can I ask though like who, the lead was it a was it a, a white person <laughs> <laughs> absolutely okay okay uh, oh, that tracks I mean, it's, it's, uh, yeah it tracks well yeah yeah absolutely Golly, so okay. so when I was 12 years old and that happened and I didn't understand right, it didn't make right. any logical sense to me because I was always you know a heady sort of sort of booky um kid and and for me it just had to add up mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. I was very analytical and mm -hmm, it just mm -hmm. doesn't add up to do a job wow. so well yeah, yeah, yeah that you know oh the audience loves it the show gets picked up but you gotta go because you're doing too good wow the like really that's crazy. so that's when for me I was like all right I'm choosing this because I don't like feeling uh, expendable or disposable yeah. mm -hmm. like somebody's quick little contraband mm -hmm. I, I'm in and out you know mm -hmm. so I'd always taken myself seriously but I had to start taking the business um, I had to reassess my relationship with the business at that age okay. and started writing and and, mm. and uh, really started trying to figure out who I was in the game mm. 
That's cool that you had your brother yeah. with you. Yeah. yeah, y'all came up together. Yeah. yeah, we did. I mean, we did everything together. Like I said, Sesame Street um, was probably the first big thing that we did together, and that's back when we were like, I don't know, five and six mm-hmm. or something like that. You know, before that, it was like extra work and uh-huh. right. print. Like, we were both extras on the set of Malcolm X. Oh, Wait, yeah. no way. Yeah. <laughs> really? <laughs> oh. Wait, was it? Were you, did you guys meet John David? Nah. Oh, okay. So, he, he was on there, too. He was in Malcolm X. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. Shout out to yeah. Tenet trailer. Yeah. That came out. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I just today. And he's a friend of the podcast. Yeah, yeah. He, he's, he's, been he's been on the podcast before. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. dope. Yeah. That's dope. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, no, I've never met him. Uh, <laughs> you guys have that in common. Um, so. But, yeah, we, we did a lot of things together back in the day, and we haven't work together on the same set in a minute. We mm-hmm. still uh, aim to develop things together. I would love to get back to being on set. Right now, we're trying to find something to do together yeah. just because, oh, that's you know, cool, yeah. it's, it's just right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I mean? right, yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, you've had the, this storied career, you know, how have the roles that you've picked until, you know, till Clemency mm-hmm. sculpted the kind of actor you want it to be? I realized in my teenage years, I had to start being, uh, I had to start invoking my power of choice because mm-hmm. up to that point, it's like, I right, you just do what you can do until you can do what you want to do. Right, you know, basically, exactly. you know, I just got to get the job. Exactly. So around about like 14, I started noticing everything that was getting thrown my way was thug this, thug yeah. that, gangster, athlete. And again, I was very much an academic. I, mm. I studied the history of of academia as it was passed down through black culture. Mm. So I was also an artist. I started college at 14. And to me, that's- Okay, prodigy. <laughs> but, but, but check this out. Right, but, but, but check this right. Out Check this out. I mean, again, that's that shout to moms for mm-hmm. prioritizing. No, that's like dope you that know. your mom was like, oh, you're going to get your shit together first before you go back. Well, the thing is, yeah. you know, our lane out of uh, poverty was education. Mm-hmm. That was our direct mm-hmm. conduit to anything that we wanted to do. She said that they can take anything away away from you in this world except for what your you know. Oh, nice. Um, and we have been through some things. You know, mm-hmm. Life was not easy. So mm-hmm. for us... Uh, it was always education, and the fact that I was, you know, a young black kid growing up between primarily Jersey and New York mm-hmm. in, my, in my childhood, most people didn't assume to attach intellect to me because of my skin. Right, it just pissed right, me right, off. Right, because right. I'm like, yo, we are naturally, as a culture, this is what we do. Mm-hmm. This is normal. So, yes, you know, it might be a little bit different that I'm in college at 14 but at the same time I saw so many kids like me in that lane and I'm like yo this needs to be exposed because this is to a degree of normalcy Mm -hmm, for us mm -hmm, Mm -hmm. you know and other black kids need to know and see that this is our potential this is the peak Mm -hmm. you know this is regular for you so so step up but beyond that the rest of the world especially in America needs to start acknowledging and giving due credit to us as a culture because right now there's so much um, degradation tied to the perspective or the perception of who and what we are. Exactly. Uh-huh. You know, so um, for me, again, when I was 14 and I started seeing all this, I'm like, this is not who we are. Like, there's so much more. Uh, this is cool. You know, there's nothing wrong with it to play a thug or whatever, and, uh, but there's so much more to exactly. that. Exactly. Uh-huh. And I'm, I'm also going on auditions where literally in one audition, there was a, I remember sitting there and this, 
you know, white casting director, I don't know, man in his 40s sitting there telling me, well, you're not black enough <laughs> for the just, role. I've been told that before. And, and, and that's because... <laughs> I think, we, I think <clears throat> every person of color yeah. or, or even just marginalized person has been told that and at like, one point in their what life. What would you know? Obviously, you know nothing about black people mm. because of the fact that mm. I am black and I'm representing what right. exactly my truth is. Exactly. And because I'm not ignorant or dumber than you expected, exactly. then oh, I'm not God. black. Yeah. That's what it is. So I, I go up against that on a regular basis mm. in this industry still to this day. I was going to ask you if it's yeah, still something yeah. that you have to deal to with. To this day. Wow. Which is just so crazy. And I think it's just so crazy, you know. We see the same story. It's like an intergenerate. It's a generational thing too. It's yeah. like you said you were going out for like thugs or athletes, and that's yeah. been since what like since films even started, yeah. I guess. Right. Yeah. And, and again, there's nothing wrong with that yeah. so yeah. long as there's a point that. to exactly. the role. If it's simply to degrade or to pacify the idea of, of who and what we are, I'm not with it. But right. if there's an actual real purpose to it, let's do it. You yeah. know what I'm yeah. saying? But I had to start saying no. I had to start uh, mm. sacrificing roles. And this is talking about not working for like eight months at a time, not wow. making money, f trying to figure out where the bills are going, you know, where we're going to get that money from. Yeah. Um, but, and I say this for the actors listening and for anybody actually listening, you have to sacrifice for your value. You have to, oh, I like you that. have to, to, to understand where your potential is and you have to be willing right. to be patient enough and to struggle and to sacrifice for it so that at the end of the day, when you do get it, you can enjoy it. Mm -hmm. It's not tainted right, exactly. with the idea of selling your soul just to just to get by. So um, that's when, you know, after a little while, certain roles started to become earned. Certain opportunities started to become earned that were closer to me walking in my purpose with my craft. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that sa don't, uh, sacrifice for your value. And it's so oh, it's and, but it's so that. hard for people, especially in this business, because it, yeah. this business is so like you never know, you know. And I always like, it's oh you, you never know. You see people like your especially like your your friends hit and you haven't hit yet, and you you mm -hmm. kind of like. I know a lot of a lot of people, like, especially young people, you start panicking, mm -hmm. and then it's it's a, a lack of faith in themselves because there's a lack of foresight. Right, that's right? what it is. And it's hard to get that foresight when you don't see it continuously as, as a blueprint. Mm. You know, we're made to oftentimes see things, uh, see, see successes as this, um, this, this, this ethereal thing that just happens to a select few yeah, because like people get, but most people don't understand those who are, are truly successful. And I'm not talking about monetarily. I'm not talking about uh, just financially successful in themselves and whatever comes with that comes. Mm. Um, those who are truly successful have been working at it for a very long time. Mm. Five minutes of fame takes 15 years to get to. Mm. And the, the real work is in making sure that there's consistency. You know, when you get to a certain level, can you get beyond that level? Can you keep that consistent? Can you fight at that level and compete at that level mm -hmm. uh, uh, with the same tenaciousness and, and fer ferocity that it took you to even start, right? Mm -hmm. But I love when I think Ashton Kutcher said it uh, at this award show one time. He said, real work looks, uh, he said, success looks like hard work. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm paraphrasing, but, and it's true. Yeah. yeah, You know, I've been in the game 31 years. Cats are looking at me like, wow, man, look at this new fresh face. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to curse on him, right. but ain't, no, ain't, no, you ain't can curse. You can curse on him. Ain't <laughs> shit fresh about me, okay? Anyway. I am 33, but I ain't no spring chicken. And the, the reason that I always profess my, 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 my sort of my, my, my admiration for 
what the journey has been is because mm-hmm. there are so many other actors out there right now who are hustling and struggling. They've been in the game for years and like, dang, when is it going to come? And I'm just saying, yo, I've been here. I've been there. Just keep going. Right, you right. got to keep going. You don't have a choice. If yeah. you know what you're supposed to be doing, you know what your passion is calling you to, you have to keep going. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah so, you know, um, I personally remember you from, from Friday Night Lights. We were talking about this before. and That's because mm-hmm. of that Texas love. Yes. yes. And also, <laughs> it's like I, I came that that scene, yeah. like that high school football Oh, that scene, was, that was, that yeah. That was our school. That was our school. Like a little <laughs> right yeah, yeah. portrayal <laughs> of what it is. And I remember, I always say this, our school beat the school that Friday Night Lights was for state Odessa, right? Oh, we, oh, we got yeah, some yeah. rivalry yeah. up ahead. <laughs> we, we beat them for state. I think we beat them two years <laughs> in a row. Anyways. Oh, anyways. Let them know. <laughs> Justin Rocket. No, but so like, I remember you from Friday Night Lights and I remember as soon as you got on the scene, I was like, oh my God, I'm scared of this guy. Ah. <laughs> and you were doing your job well. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. challenged Coach Taylor. I was Yo. just like, but I mean, yeah, it was, and then that was kind of like my first memory. But how yeah. did that change? Did, did Friday Night Lights kind of change it? Because it was a um, prestige show at the time. Yeah. It so was pretty, how did that change us, your career? I remember, yeah. I remember that first year was a little tough for us to find an audience. I feel like there was a lot of scrutiny going against the show because people were like, well, who wants to watch the show about football? Blah, blah, blah. Unless people actually understood and loved football. Mm-hmm. And then, but once they saw how driven and how developed the actual characters were and the drama was just so succinct, then it kind of came in where we found our success, I think, a little bit later after the first season. Mm-hmm. But once people saw it, it was like, wow, this is actually really well done, mm-hmm. well scripted yeah, drama, was, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, with Friday Night Lights, I remember... Walking into that audition, uh, my mom hustled up that audition. I ain't even had that, but oh. she was like, look, I found something, something go through because moms was always on the hustle. Mm-hmm. And I had just gotten fired from a job previously, and I was pissed. Mm-hmm. So when I went into that audition, you I really were- was Oh, you were voodoo. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, word? Because so the thing like, is, oh, this is this guy's good. You know, he's, he's so authentic. You damn skippy. It's lost. I ain't got no car. Was I was I was just coming from a. Uh, I had a car accident earlier that oh year. My total. Oh my god! You have I, had I, a tapestry. Yo. A journey. Oh brother, that's yeah. light work. That's that's light work, bro. If yeah. I told the journey, you know, I'd say. But um, I had gotten fired from yet again another TV series that uh, I didn't understand at the time because. Mm. They were merging into a network, uh, and there was a lot of chefs in the kitchen, and we had gotten picked up, and they said, oh, we got to let you go. And I said, well, we got picked up. What's the deal? Um, Oh, just some of the executives think you're more of a dramatic actor. It was, (laughs) but but, but here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. So I was 19 at the time. Uh This was a comedy. I was the only member of the cast who was actually a stand-up comedian at the time. Mm. Oh, you did stand-up too? Bro, I started stand-up at, <laughs> at, at, at 11 years old, I started stand-up. Oh at 13 years old, I started hosting a room at the LA Improv. We would put on shows and we I ran that till wow. like I was like 17, 18. So I'm like, yo, <laughs> <laughs> this is my I'm up here improv and I'm doing my thing. I know how to work a stage. How y'all gonna say I'm dramatic? Like, <laughs> So either way, I was so pissed about that because at the time I had a house uh, with the family. Um, I that was my only means of taking care of the fam. Mm. Uh, had a, a car that I gotten total, got you know, got into an accident. Thank God I was okay, but still my car was out. Mm-hmm. Um, couldn't afford another one. And then 
had a, uh, I was in a bad relationship at the time that was stressing me out, Jeez. causing some issues. So it was just a lot All on you at one time. Yeah. And again, I look back and I'm like, okay, that's light work. Because right. I've been through worse. Mm. My whole family yeah, been yeah. through worse. But... <laughs> In the moments, you can't see through all that. Right. And what I realized is that happened, and then Friday Night Lights happened, and I said, oh, that was God moving something out of my way so the right thing can line right. up and oh. I can walk straight to it. Yeah. And that's how you got to look at yeah. the idea of, of lack or loss because when things are presumably taken from us, right, nothing's guaranteed, nothing's given, right? But mm -hmm. when something is removed out of our way, some of us just spend the time focusing on the negative and, and the idea of loss as opposed to focusing on the opportunity that is now presented in front of us. Mm -hmm. And it, it, you, you got to just make sure that that's where your focus goes. Mm -hmm. You got to look mm -hmm. towards it. Mm -hmm. You got to actively seek it because there's always an open door somewhere, oh, right? Right, right? So then when Friday hit, and crazy enough, the, the, the comedy was a football show, but Friday mm -hmm. was a football show to drama. Mm -hmm. Drama, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It, uh, it definitely gave me... I think more respect on that short stint of a, of a recurring mm -hmm. than being on that comedy show ever would have yeah. for me. Well, no you, shade to the comedy. No, right, no, right, you right. left a big like like I said when you came on Friday Night Lights. I was like, yeah, because oh, really I mean your, your character I was worried is still very Coach memorable. Yeah, even, it though, is. even though it was a Some recurring still character. Some people still call me Voodoo. Yeah. <laughs> like, nah, like nah, low nah. key, I'm, I'm like, <laughs> um, it's weird when people call me my character names from things because I don't even know who they talk to. They're like, they're like a Voodoo, and yeah, I'm like, what? I don't walk around thinking, oh, I'm an actor. People must know right. who I am. I'm still like, I got that Jersey, New York mentality. Like, yo, you looking over there kind of funny. What's right. up? Like, like, I need you to say something. Right. Don't be in the corner just looking at me funny style. You know, and I'm waiting for you. Hey, bro, you feeling froggy you, leap. Everyone's looking at you like, oh, is that voodoo? Yeah, but that's the thing. But he's like, you can't just be staring at somebody so, like so that without saying this, this is a little detour, but sometimes I, I, I really do appreciate the love from people who support my work. Yeah. Um, but... There's, there's a, there's some people don't realize that the strange human interaction, like when they look at you from across the way and they get this look on their face because they're trying to they're figure trying out, to figure out yeah, how they know you. But there's a frown, yeah. and what it looks like, and then they start talking to the homie about they're like, you. Well, they're like this. What they don't realize is they look like they're actually talking right. about you. Right. Like they're, they're about to, to swear up. <laughs> And it's like just, the, depending on, but it's depending on where you're from. Where you're from? It's, yeah. there, it's different ways of interpreting it. No, right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> because like when people do that, like uh, at an industry party, I'm yeah, just you're like, kind of oh. like, oh, they probably yeah. know who you are. Yeah. But like you, but right, if it's like, just like in a restaurant or at like the mall or something. at the mall, yeah. like, like, <laughs> I grew up between Jersey and New York back in oh, the day Jersey. when somebody was <laughs> word up. Oh, you sound good. <laughs> yeah. Nah, I, I, I was in um, Trenton and then Hackensack and then Clifton, mm -hmm. you know? So uh, neither place was exactly too, too easy. Mm -hmm. But um, I grew up in a time where cats would just look at you funny and you knew you, about to, you, you yeah. was about to square up. Yeah. So. The thing is, it doesn't leave you. I've never squared up on nobody yeah, that came, so. you know, I love when fans go, hey, how you doing? I'm like, oh yeah, you know, I'm, I'm getting it. You know what I mean? But it's just weird sometimes. I, you know, well, I, well, so here, that there's a lesson. <laughs> Do not, do if not. you see Aldis, don't, don't just stare. go up to them and be like, hey. <laughs> <Don't>. <laughs> hey, do no, I know you from somewhere? You know, I just, just 
smile. Yeah, right, that's, right. that's all I'm you asking. Know that's, that's you know, it's so point. simple. If you smile, then it's like okay, it, 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 yeah, it's more down, yeah, you know. And then also, you know, say something. You know what I'm saying? Don't be nervous. You can say something. You know, I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna swing on. Lesson learned. Lesson learned. You know. So let's. I want to talk about these your two recent projects, Brian Banks and Clemency. Yeah. Very, very heavy. Yeah. Projects to say the least. Not, not like <laughs> they're not whatever like, do you mean i mean i must be watching it one is about somebody who's wrongfully in prison and one is a, yes. i mean one is about somebody who's on death row yeah. um Wait, did you did you film these back to back? Yeah. <laughs> How did you recover? Uh, right, this? exactly. Sort of, kind of, maybe. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I, I filmed. Actually, I filmed the Banks first, and then knocked out the season of uh, City on a Hill. Uh, <laughs> yeah. well, well, I did Banks, then City on a Hill. We did the pilot, okay. and then after and then that, oh, did. Okay, uh, okay. Did uh, 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 clemency. So you know, back to back, I had these three projects that were all about. Uh, criminal justice right. reform and, and and reform within the legal system. Yeah. So right, I was right, like, right. Um, all right, that's universe. Your <laughs> that's right, your yeah. <laughs> like, what you trying to tell me? Right. It's not like I, I was actively seeking, like, yeah. hey, team, you know what we need to do? <laughs> I, need to, um, I need a trilogy of yeah. criminal justice reform. But uh, the thing I loved about Brian Banks is uh, if you've ever met Brian in real life, which I think you should, he's a dope, mm -hmm. dope cat, mm -hmm. uh, life coach now. Um, to me, that was a... The, the idea of a real superhero, somebody mm -hmm. who persevered because, you know, the brother went into, he was what, 16, I think, when he was mm -hmm. accused. He spent a year fighting the case while still imprisoned. Um, I think it was in a, a juvie or jail, one of the two, but then, like, 18th birthday, went off to prison, right. five years. And then when he got out of prison, he was on parole, five years, with an ankle monitor the whole time. So he basically was still in prison mm -hmm. on the yeah. outside. Mm -hmm. He educated himself while in prison, studied the law, he fought for himself, mm -hmm. he exonerated himself. Mm -hmm. uh, that to me, perseverance over all that mindset was so inspirational. Mm -hmm. And he himself to have come out of that and survived with such a, 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 an appetite for positivity mm -hmm. and to not allow yeah. the negativity to shape him. That to me was a part of why we do what we do as artists because we got to you know, we love to give in people entertainment, laugh, and this and that, but also at the same time, spread some hope. Right. Mm -hmm. And because it spoke to me personally, I was hoping to have that very same conversation with the audience through my work. Mm -hmm. Clemency, still to, to a degree in the same vein, mm -hmm. it opened mm -hmm. my eyes to the idea of capital punishment, which I hope this film can be an asset to the conversation mm -hmm. of how to get to a point of eradicating this disease we know to be the death row sentence. Um, I love that it does show the true effects for everybody involved, yeah. not just um, surface level. Yeah. And it shows the effects on the prison warden played brilliantly by Alfred Woodard, Queen Alfred yes. Woodard. Yes. Um, we have Wendell Pierce playing her husband. Mm -hmm. We see how that you know hits their marriage. Right, right. Uh, we have Richard Schiff playing my lawyer. Mm -hmm. We see how it hits him. Hit we have Danielle Brooks who plays I don't want to spoil it. Yeah, 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 she yeah, plays yeah, someone important yeah. Yeah, yeah, in, yeah. in my character's life, and she smashes, mm -hmm, you know, absolutely mm -hmm. smashes her role. So, you know, we have a, a beautifully well-rounded cast, uh, Michael C. Neal, you know, uh, Alex Castile. Like, everybody uh, came through with their hearts on fire. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's a strange thing because people are like, well, really? Wow, it's a, you know, it's this kind of movie? I'm like, look. Right now, we're having a real conversation yeah. about real lives. Yeah. We went to these prisons. We talked to these men. Mm -hmm. We did the research. Mm -hmm. um, we know the power 
rather the responsibility that we have as artists to inspire and to hopefully help and aid mm -hmm. those indeed. And when it comes to this particular situation, that's exactly what this film could do. That's yeah. exactly why I took this film. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's crazy to think, because we, we watched Just Mercy mm -hmm. and like just, you know, obviously, um, Jamie Foxx's character, it's Walter, I can't remember his last name, yeah. but mm -hmm. it's, you know, obviously he was released and everything, but it's crazy to think that how many people are on death row, because your character wasn't, I mean, I, I don't think, he wasn't able to get his, 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 so. his second. <laughs> oh, sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not, but I'm just, it's just, I'm a, I'm well, if you haven't seen it, guys. I'll put it like this. Like, it's crazy to think how many people are on death row that are innocent and are yeah. not able to, get like their due time in court because of all these different because of resources yeah, yeah exactly. resources. because resources so, is the main so thing. here's the here's the question that um i asked myself upon dealing with this particular role is do we as a society have the right to take the lives of those who presumably have taken life mm -hmm. if so does that not make us just like them mm. right that is exactly oh <laughs> what i was thinking when i was watching it that is yeah. exactly what i was thinking i was like how, how are you how just do gonna, we wrap that yeah. in the yeah. in the, the lie how do you justify justice? that in your head right like that's you know because this person killed this people person don't. Yeah. they yeah. just don't even think about exactly. it that way yeah. because the thing is there are plenty of people who are on death row that are absolutely innocent and this is another reason why we need to continue to dig deeper and understand every every facet of what the situation is so as not to make another uh, I'll call it civil mistake mm -hmm. that's a stain on us all mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. then for the men that are guilty regardless of what our what they've done regardless of what our judgment and our stances are and what they may be some of what this film explores is like with my character as he's fighting for clemency we don't know if he did or did not do the crime because that's not the point. Right, the point yeah. not, right. Um, okay, right. if he did it, then sure, great. Yeah. If he didn't do it, well, uh, I guess we're making a mistake. Uh, yeah, no. exactly. The, the, the point is, us as a society, how are we pacified by the idea of death as it is wrapped in the lie of justice mm -hmm. um, when we're not even given all the facts? Mm -hmm. And does it not poison how we deal with one another to a degree of, of trying to be humane. Mm -hmm, what mm -hmm. does that really look like, right? When we can say, well, you know, you deserve to die, so X, Y, and Z, da, da, da. No, mm -hmm. no, we, we, we don't have that right. Mm -hmm. And we should not get comfortable with the idea that that's okay. Right, right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, our, our, our filmmaker, our brilliant writer and director, mm -hmm. Shinoya Chukwu, she spent years uh, researching, I think four or five years mm -hmm. researching this before it even came to shooting it. She volunteered in a prison in Ohio. She started a screenwriting program called Pins to Pictures for inmates to get their projects written and put on screen. She volunteered on 14 different clemency cases. She is the real deal. Yeah, she was yeah. a film professor for 10 years. Yeah. Um, and for her, she was inspired to explore the causality um, behind all of this after the execution of Troy Davis black man in Georgia mm -hmm. in September 2011. Um, prior to his execution, there are hundreds of thousands of, of letters written in support of his clemency, even prison wardens who are writing about the uh, effects of uh, execution on, on, on the part of right. everyone. Right. You know, there are people who work in the this particular department, prison wardens, guards, who have a PTSD rate that is comparable to those coming back from war. Yeah. So there's a bigger problem that continues to 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 get um, uh, elaborated upon dealing with this particular situation. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, 
after he was executed, she began to ask the question, uh, I wonder what, what it's like to, for those whose livelihood is tied to the taking of life. Mm-hmm. And she wanted to explore that, and that's mm-hmm. what she did with this film. Mm. Oh. And, and how, I'm paraphrasing from her own words. Yeah, <laughs> but how did you, how were you able to sort of get in that mindset? Because there's this oh, one line yeah. in the movie that really gets me, and I, I don't think it's a spoiler, but he says, <coughs> I don't know if I'm saying it right. Well, you spoil everything. He said something about how I don't, I you can't something about I don't want you to ha- like you can't tell me how like to take my life or or you can't I'm, I'm forgetting I know the line. You're yeah you know about. I, I just can't I can't I, I can't remember I exactly the word but something but, I, you, but you know what I'm talking about I that, choose that when scene I die. yeah I choose when I die mm, that yeah. scene like is mm-hmm. is. I, I, it, it was right. so hard to watch. Mm-hmm. So I almost said that. <laughs> <laughs> but I just want to know, like, how do you get in that? And then obviously you got you met with a bunch of people. Yeah, on yeah. The tour. Like, how do you? Um, so oddly enough, when I went to San Quentin, mm-hmm. um, I was given a tour of the facility by men serving uh, life sentences. I was not permitted to speak to the men on death row okay. as per the warden's restrictions, but did talk to the warden as well. You know what? really great respectable guy mm-hmm. um uh showed us the death chambers it, it, there were a few polarizing things that i i witnessed while i was there when the men on death row were transferred across the yard all of the other inmates were made to turn their backs and not speak to them and not look at them oh. right so the isolation that is enforced upon these men in death row down to their presumably last steps is um uh, it's 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 uh, dehumanizing mm-hmm. uh we went to the death chamber and he asked us, so, you know, these, these men and, and, and women, they usually get a choice for how they would prefer to pass. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it, you know, intravenous drugs? Is it uh, gas chamber? Mm-hmm. What do you think they choose? Mm-hmm. And we said, we don't know. He said, yeah, most times they don't know because how do you choose how you're going to die? Yeah. It all brings the relativity of your complicit nature as a, as a citizen to the f- head, to the forefront, because mm-hmm. you're like, well, wow, this is what we spend our tax, tax dollars on, this is what we vote on, and these are things that we don't have to think about when we go home, right. but this is something we are still a part of, so maybe we should start thinking about it a little bit more uh, vigorously. But as far as getting into the mindset, I was quite enthused and excited and, and happy, truly happy, because I felt like I, the reason I jumped onto this project was a part. It was purpose driven, and mm-hmm. a part of what we were doing was was purpose driven. Uh, first of all, Chinoya, our writer director, has a, an infectious, vivacious energy. Mm-hmm. She's so great, so just happy and excitable, and that, so we're laughing on set all the time. Mm-hmm. But every time it got harder for the character to to go through something i was driven to do more and go harder and i was i was actually happier because i knew that somebody's going to see this and hopefully be affected to enough uh, enough to a point to, to want to do something to change right. so i was in a good healthy space the entire okay. time okay. there was no weight that i carried outside of the pride i had with the fact that i thought we were doing something that could serve to help. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the the film won the dramatic grand jury prize at Sundance. Right. That making, was a shock. Yeah. <laughs> uh, making to the first. Ab- yeah. yeah the she first was the first black, black woman, woman to receive that. To re- yeah. in the history. In the, the history. Um, <laughs> she historical. <out> here. <laughs> she, she broke ground. She out here. She she, uh, she, she told the ceiling. girls. You know. She told the girls, "I'm gonna take my award." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But you know, you you have films like this, mm. and then you know we had you know you mentioned Just Mercy, mm. When They See Us, right? Uh, it, it, it's 
these, how do you think these movies, specifically Clemency, move the needle when it comes to representation and the need for storytelling mm. that exposes harsh truths that, I mean, I th right. yeah, yeah, because a lot, I think a lot of people refuse to kind of believe this kind of stuff happens, but like, right. yeah, but like, what, how else do you think this moves that needle to, in Hollywood telling um, diverse stories, not just from like, you know, from the black community, but even within the black community, because it's mm -hmm. not a monolith, mm -hmm. right. as is like the Latino community, the Asian community, yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. I think, um, I can't spe speak specifically to how it, it, it particularly moves the needle. Mm -hmm. All I can say is that I hope it moves the needle because with us, you know, our stories do have uh, potential to, they have the, the potential uh, to, to spark a specific change to get people to pay attention to certain things. With Clemency, what we're seeing is a lot of people are coming out of this film saying, wow, I didn't know it was like that. And oftentimes they say, well, what can I do? How can I help? Mm -hmm. And what can I change to do X, Y, and Z about um, getting involved? You know, and that's not, we're, we're not charging or challenging our audience to, to do anything particular other than just hopefully they receive mm -hmm. but you know you see um, projects like when they see us and then after that we see an outpouring of of support and then that support rolls over to uh, legal action being taken against people who abused their seats of power years before mm -hmm. um, and that I think is what art at its peak level has the most potential to do is inspire people to seek the truth mm -hmm. in their true mm -hmm. lives and uh, hopefully try their best to create a better quality of life mm. going forward. Yeah. What, yes. do you, what do you say to people, because I know a lot of, like, especially like films that are, are um, that happen to have black, uh, black stories in it or, or black, uh, primarily black cast, mm. a lot of, there's a lot of, a lot of, I, know, I think we kind of do it amongst ourselves. We yeah, critique. Don't want to say it. Don't want to say it. <laughs> a lot of, a lot of our films deal with black pain, and black those pain, those yes. are the ones that get you know these types of recognition, <laughs> right. get these like get uh, get wider audiences. Yeah. And I know a lot of black folks complain about that a lot. Mm -hmm. You know, all our movies, the movies that we are getting sort of recognition for, are about our pain. What yes. do you, what do you what do you think about that? Uh, like, so here's the thing. I understand it. Um, uh, not that I, I am for or against either. I understand it. It's about how the story is told. Mm -hmm. uh, when the opportunity for Clemency came up, especially coming right off of Brian Banks, I was like, y'all, for real, he in jail again. Mm -hmm. Like, come on, y'all. Mm -hmm. But then I looked at the purpose behind it, okay. the potential for what it could be. And I said, oh, this is different because, you know, we have Alfred Woodard who comes from a, a huge history of activism and she's putting her heart into this and she had been on the project two years before it even got kicked uh, kicked off into shooting um you know and, and it's not like she is making mistakes in mm -hmm. her career yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I, right. i'd like to think that she's very very calculated <laughs> about the, the her risks mm -hmm. um but speaking to her personal activism there's something that's added to what this project is and there's a reason behind it. Mm -hmm. Yes, um, a lot of our history is tied to to pain. Uh, this particular movie, in, in Clemency, it doesn't point towards, it doesn't point directly to uh, the disparity as it as it afflicts black people or or well, black Americans or, or or Americans 
who are you know Hispanic or you know, but it exposes right. what the basics are, mm-hmm. and you can't help but That's notice yeah. you know who's in the film. Right. <laughs> yeah, 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 you can't right. help but notice who's most afflicted. I think we are as a community tired of having to draw to the pain to see the pain because that is primarily what we are given Mm -hmm. and we are are seeking more to a degree of normalcy. However, there is more and there is so much more that is out there regularly, right? We do have that. We do see it. Mm. I think I've come to, to learn we do need we need both. We, we need the greatness, but we also need the pain. Uh. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It depends on how the pain is depicted to teach because we need to teach others right. and ourselves where we come from, how we come from it, what there is to love, what there is that needs to be fixed, and, and, and what people should learn to understand about us and why we deserve in real life equanimity in so many other areas right, right. because we still don't get it. And people who are not from our culture sit there and say, well, you're just complaining. And, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm, and it's like, mm-hmm. bro, you don't live in my reality. Mm-hmm, Let mm-hmm. me show you something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I remember when we did Underground, there was automatic critique about, oh, damn, a slave show, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, first of all, I ain't never been a slave show out here like this. <laughs> but second of all, when I remember when I first heard the idea of it, and I was to a degree, I had my reserves. I was mm-hmm. like, I mean, reservations. How do you do a show about enslavement for, you know, five, six seasons? I don't personally want to see that pain. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But when I saw that, oh, this is exposing the truth of the pain, but also beyond that, exposing the truth of our valor as a people because we are fighting for ourselves. Mm-hmm. That's the difference. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes we're seen as being submissive, right? right? right. And we just have to just deal with it. And mm-hmm. hopefully somebody mm-hmm. comes and saves us. Or, you know, we deal with, of course, I'm just going to say it, the white savior complex mm-hmm. where we need all this help. But who were we to get to this point? Right. Who were we? Where did we really come from? Where's our strength? And with Underground, we showed our people fighting for themselves. Mm-hmm. And that is not to knock on anybody else, any other culture. That is just saying that we get to see ourselves engaging our our true strength and having the strength to laugh and love in, in, in dealing through all of the hurt. Mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm. Sh- it teaches us so much about our values. Because we get to see it a different way, we get to experience it a different way, and out and off of that, I saw so many people re-engage their history with uh, new eyes, and they yeah. said, "Yo, I love this show. I can't believe." It. And now people, oh, they, we start, they start using it in schools, curriculum, right. all that. So mm. I love we, that we, show. We, we just <laughs> have to see different ideas of what it is. Right, you know? I think you're right. And we also have to see the truth on other sides mm-hmm, of things. Mm-hmm. You know, we get to see, you know, Benjamin Franklin and and. And Thomas Jefferson and, and George Washington and all these, you know, glorious moments, right, but, but we, we don't, don't get to see their ugly truths. Right. Let's That's let's just point. be honest about yeah. the real history behind the so-called forefathers of America. Right. You know, a lot of these people were, and I will say it to a degree, savages mm-hmm. in how they acted and how they carried on, but they we were. don't see that truth. No. We need to see the equality on all sides of telling the stories. Think, yeah, mm. good point. God. Have you ever given a TED talk? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> nah, bro. But you bro. That'll be a, 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 a 57 hour TED talk. Let me would, tell you what's would, on my mind. I would listen, though. I was, yeah. Um, you have a good radio voice. Yeah, you too. do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is uh, <laughs> DJ Chocolate Skittles <laughs> returning live. <laughs> now listening to Ooh, the tune down. <laughs> <laughs> 
Shock is good. That's terrible. So I know. So before we wrap, um, what? Uh, so what is? Uh, what's next for you? So you have the Invisible Man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the Invisible Man drops February twenty eighth. I'm really excited about that. that. Looks fun. Um, yes. And just so people are not confused, no, it is not Ralph Ellison. Yeah. <laughs> it's not Ralph. It is a uh, H. G. Wells. Um, <laughs> so Lee Wanell, who wrote, uh, I believe the first three songs, yeah. he's directed. You know, he, he this man lives in the horror space and he's brilliant in it. Uh, he wrote and directed this one, mm-hmm. uh, starring Elizabeth Moss, Storm mm-hmm. Reed. Um, really excited about that. Also go into uh, shooting second season of City mm-hmm. on a Hill. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then there's another project I'm really excited about, but I can't tell you okay, exactly. Okay, well, are you sure? <laughs> I'm, you, you I'm sure. No, I'm uh, I, I can't tell you. I start shooting that um, early next year, okay. but uh, okay. I am right not a, at a liberty to pretend. <laughs> uh, I can, oh I can most assuredly tell you it's not a Marvel <laughs> film. Um, <laughs> I'm all trying to Wait, like, so wait, is there anything that you haven't done yet that, that yeah, you, you want to do? You, yeah. Would you want to do a Marvel? I mean, I guess it's like a, I mean, yeah, if they hire me, I I don't know. I've tried to hustle up an audition so many times. Is The Invisible Um, Man your kind of first horror? Is it a horror thriller? It's sort of like I I did a horror film a a long time ago, and I was like, "Mm." (laughs) (laughs) we're just not going to talk about that. So this is is my first real step into the genre, and it's actually pretty dope. (laughs) But, um, yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, in terms of what I would like to, yeah, I mean, I love, I grew up a martial artist since Mm. I was six years old. Um, I still, even though I'm not allowed to compete, anymore i still train um mm. so i would love to jump into an action film something uh there you know you like and yeah you know i grew up on dc and marvel like whoever want to hire me hire you <laughs> um there i think it, i think it just would be fun yeah, you know? yeah, yeah it just yeah. would be great fun yeah. Yeah. yeah um and then we asked this to all our guests yeah uh, is there an underrepresented voice in the industry whether it's an actor writer creator storyteller mm. who's not in the mainstream that you want to give a shout out to or give shine to oh man yeah. mm-hmm. um you said not in the mainstream. Yeah. Or like, you know, like, maybe like they're like in the like they're they're in that kind of limbo yeah, space. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or like, you know, they're known within circles, but not by the masses. There, I yeah, think that, yeah. that's, that's kind better, of a better yeah. way to put it. Yeah. Known within circles. Yeah. Ah, the two names that kind of pop up to mm-hmm. me are already known by the masses. Um so, shine. Yeah. So I mean look, right now I'd say uh I think that these two young ladies are doing justice to their platform the best way possible. Mm-hmm. Um, Yara Shahidi and oh. Storm Reed. Yeah. Now, granted, they they uh, like I yeah. said, they, everybody know them, mm. but, but well, a lot of people don't surprise. Yeah, yeah. Oh. you'd be surprised. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I think they're just uh, you know, shout to the, their parents because mm. they did brilliant jobs. Um, you know, they are really using their platform to really speak out on the right subjects, the right ways. I, I think it's very commendable, respectable how they hold themselves, and I think they're truly great examples yeah. of. Uh, what young women need to see as a representation coming yeah. up. Yes. I agree. Yeah. I love and young men, too. Yeah. Yeah. No, you I'm happy I'm like what, what this next generation sort of have been doing with their platforms. Like, granted, yeah. I know it's different from ours. Like, it's been it's been really, like, inspiring. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. You look at, like, something like Freeform and mm-hmm. what they're doing. Granted, mm-hmm. that's not my demo. <laughs> <laughs> but still. But they, no, I mean, I watch stuff yeah, on there. Exactly. And I'm like, oh, I'm so old. I don't yeah. care this. I mean, I, yeah, <laughs> but I'm like, I have little, like, cousins and nieces and nephews. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm glad that, because they, they like, love the, and, yeah, you know, and so they're, they're seeing they all these ima- images of people of color and the queer community like as yeah. a normal thing, right. right? Which is like something. I mean, I know my generation. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, but all yeah, this, I mean, you know, it's still a fight we got to fight. But yeah, you know, yeah, we, we hit. Yeah. You know <laughs> 
Thank you. you so much. Thank oh, you. Thank you. This both was great. Yeah. Yeah. Hearts. <laughs> Can't lose. <laughs> what is wrong with you? I'm telling you. What is wrong not with you? Not getting nobody around it. It's my jam. No, Friday night. Friday night lights was like I, that. Like that show was canceled too soon. Underground Honestly, was canceled it, too it, soon. Yeah, I was so pissed. Like that. That hurt. And yeah. I've never really felt like you know yeah. shows like come and go, but that one like really got yeah, to me. Yeah, underground. We still don't understand why. I know why. Well, we, we all know. Uh, yeah, 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 we, we understand why. why. Um, we understand how this stuff. It's is. so funny. Exactly. I actually just met um, Mike. Mike Jackson. Oh, yeah, yeah, I had yeah. I had lunch with him and we were talking about it and I was like that I really wish that show found a new home because yeah. that was my that was my show. I mean, hey, they want to <laughs> Well, you know what? If you guys are listening, if you want to uh, revive <laughs> underground, Get you know, Quibi? Quibi, y'all listening? Quibi is taking everything. There are so many houses. So many. Everybody got a stream. No, but Quibi is like they're on. They're on something right now. They have like. Oh, sorry. Are we still recording? We're not recording. Oh, I thought we were done. Oh, I thought we were done. No, but but yeah, yeah. You know, Quibi, do your thing. Quick bites of underground. Right. Exactly. Let's do it. No, I would be. Yeah. But anyways, Alice, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.